Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Live from the Pool House. We are live from said pool house. I am T.L. Foster, and I was going to think of a good <laughs> opening joke, and I can't. Um, dudes watching television. There we go. <laughs> uh, and that person here is my co-host, Miss Sonia Bellatine. Uh, tell the people hello. Yeah, the Whitley of uh, this uh, <laughs> this podcast, like the snobby cool girl. So that's <laughs> <laughs> is Whit- well, We'll get into it. I don't know if Whitley's a snobby cool. Uh, there's a lot, uh, but we are joined by a a guest in our pools, and I will let them introduce themselves. Hello, um, my name is Kim Belair. I'm the co-founder of Sweet Baby Inc. We're a narrative development company, and I'm really excited to talk about Fresh Prince today. <laughs> no, we are really glad to have you on. I know Sonia was very adamant. She was like, we have to bring Kim on uh, oh, to I'm the so show. Glad. I'm so glad yeah, that yeah, I could bring something <laughs> to this. Well, Kim, Kim and I have been friends, Twitter friends, live journal friends for a very long time. And so I always, uh, I'm really impressed by her knowledge. And so, yeah, I really mm. wanted you on here, especially as a woman of color. So yes. I was just like, we needed more representations. Yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, but, and focusing on the episodes that were not about black history. So that was yes. the rule. <laughs> yes. Because so, like yes. We, we had, uh, we had Rihanna, we had Rihanna Manuel on. And it was like, I don't want to do the episode of like, hey, this is the Black History episode. And then also like, because then it's a weird, like it's a weird appropriation that always gets happened, especially like with podcasts. And when they get like people of color, like with all of us being people of color, like we all have been like, hey, it's February. What are you doing? You know, or hey, it's Thanksgiving. What are you doing? (laughs) One of the things that we do is um, beyond writing and stuff for games, we also do like some outreach stuff and, um, you know, programs and initiatives about for marginalized devs. And it was remarkable, you know, both in February and at the peak of when like corporate started to notice like Black Lives Matter, the amount of people who were like, hello, <laughs> I'd like to talk to you now. <laughs> it's always yeah. the way, yeah. damn it. It's like, ugh. Yeah. And to a degree, you're like, okay, I'll take it, but I'm going to have to use this. Like, I'm aware it's a window. Right. You know, right. and it will close. So I just mm. have to hurry. Right. Yeah, it's that, like if you're not going to fill that space, somebody else is going yep. to. Right. Well, and that's the thing is like when all like all this stuff, all this stuff has happened and it was like I was getting like these opportunities. It's like, man, it sucks. Like this is how I get the opportunity. But hey, I'm going to kick that door open and then like <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to grab so many people with me. It's like everybody's yes. coming in. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Get well, me. But this person, that person. Yeah. Um, well, that's all I do whenever I get like big things. If I'm not perfect for it, I will put someone else forward for it because it's like if we're not making these opportunities for others like then what's the point it's like right it's like the superman in me i want to make sure everybody's happy <laughs> all right uh but kim what is your history with uh the fresh prince of bel-air so my last name is bel-air <laughs> and so and i grew up at the right time in 34 i grew up at the exact right time for every kid at school to be like bel-air like the fresh prince of bel-air so for a very long time I was fresh prince of bel-air but it was also like a staple show for me growing up. I've seen every episode back in the day. Like I remember watching the finale and it was the first time that I was like, oh, shows can like end, like shows end. And I'm not going to see my good, good friends, the Bankses <laughs> anymore. And I think for me, it was formative in like a lot of my perceptions, um, 
not only about like my community, but the broader black community about my family, about certain things. And, you know, the expression, even in the episode that we're going to talk about today, I was so struck Mm. by like, even though you're not watching a black history episode, you absolutely are watching a piece of black history. Right. Mm -hmm. In, in the show. And it's, yeah. And I think I I realized how important it was because what I said when we were watching it, like to my boyfriend, I was like, okay, everyone should be watching this again now sure <laughs> yeah. some of the jokes haven't aged as well but overall like the intent and the framework and everything that they're talking about in such a such an earnest and still very funny way is, is really fun to see right no and that's like um so i i do a lot of stuff with the people over at laser time and there's always been that conversation because i've run into a lot of people and it's been really weird they're like i've never like i've never seen the fresh prince of bel-air but it was it's a lot of people that I've noticed that are like, I just don't watch sitcoms, right? And I think this show is almost like the antithesis of what a sitcom is. Uh, one, because I think it's more play format. But two, I think how it frames and, and like, um, it frames the family dynamic and it frames, like, the dynamic that these characters are dealing with in a more of a, a humanistic way where mm-hmm. it doesn't feel that way. So I, it is very important and it's, like oddly prescient and always like timeless every time i watch episodes like well shoot i i know all of these stories it's wildly relevant right it's, yeah. unlike a lot of like sometimes you go back and you watch these old shows and you're like oh this doesn't this is of its time but right. it really does feel relevant well that's how i feel about certain episodes of family matters like i i went back and was watching certain ones like there's that episode where laura's friend gets shot because somebody wants her shoes and it was really weird to watch like in terms of like the how these black families deal with interactions with the police and like i guess it's different just because the father figure is a cop but it was still kind of like it still felt very like okay we're trying to make a a point about society but not to to alienate our white audiences whereas fresh prince is always like we don't care if we alienate you you're gonna learn something and it's it's gonna be funny (laughs) yeah it feels very deliberately crafted for the audience that it has and it's not yeah it doesn't feel like it has to go like here's what we're going to do in order to soften this for like a white audience or here's what we're gonna do it's just right it it seems and feels like it really focuses on authenticity first and it feel it feels so authentic yeah that earnestness is there and it doesn't feel very it doesn't feel fake is what i think yeah but yeah, we're like we'll get into the episode. <laughs> so yes. like so yeah, like we were watching episode twenty one, Love at First Fight, which first aired February eighteenth, nineteen ninety one. it was directed by Jeff Melman and was written by Lisa Rosenthal and Sam Art Williams, who also wrote a bunch of the more play oriented episodes this season. Mm-hmm. So like he has a background in theater, so and he's also the one who writes a lot of the more um the the episodes focusing on like the experience of being a black person Mm. so like whenever i see him i know the episode is going to be good so um this episode we had to tie a pork chop around your neck just so the dog would play with you (laughs) (laughs) but i love that line so i had to toss it in there Mm. so the episode begins with will and carlton watching star search for the cute girls it has been a while since Will and Car- Carlton have been on dates, so Ashley decides she needs to hide her Barbies. Uh, I wanted mentioned- to talk about, about <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to go lock up my Barbies. Cause I'm like, what's going to happen to the Barbies? <laughs> like, how horny are these teens? Like, yeah, I don't know. Well, well they, don't, they go to an all-boys school, so I think that adds to it as well. So well, like- I, They're also like, I mean, so, they're- and that's the thing. It's like, and we, we talked about it. 
the, the great thing about this show is we've seen like the gradualization of like of Carlton and Will like hey we're kind of basically the same person yes you know but like there's like degrees off but we're kind of the same person and like this is a, a thing of like I remember being 16 17 years old being like man I is there a woman on this show? I'm going to watch it <laughs> <Yep>. because <laughs> I, I, I I need to be around a woman and I'm not there. So like, it, it, I mean, it is a framework. Like, I, I think that's a little bit too far. I'm like, I need to go hide my Barbies, but like, <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely a thing. Like, cause like, and that's like watching Star Search. So like, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Star Search. I saw it a oh, little yeah. bit when I was younger. Yeah. So I know of it, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Star Search, it was like it, it, it's like a weird because it's it's a talent show like America's Got Talent or any like these like talent shows, but like it's not just it's not just like singing like because you would have people who were models and that's like what they were looking at it's like the different model ones and like I yeah. again I remember being like someone that age and they're like oh I'm gonna watch MTV and they're gonna show next and like let's look at all these girls that are on this bus trying to date this <laughs> one dude and you're like oh yeah like that girl <laughs> like it, it's it's just like a thing that, like, for someone of that age and having that libido, of course you're going to be like, oh no, yes, I need it. It's such good and correct characterization for them to be like incredibly like interested in getting these girls, anybody who they can have, mm. and then the second that they hear like uh, Aunt Viv's recommendation, they're like instantly going like, no, get out the like, <laughs> get out the milk bones is the quote that they use to describe like a woman that Aunt Viv refers to as lovely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so Vivian mentions that one of her students, Kayla, is stopping by for dinner. Uh, so this is how she, uh, so uh, she's a scholarship student at Vivian's college, and Vivian wants to give Kay uh, Kayla a little extra support. And because of the way she's described, as Kim said, Will and Carlton are convinced that Kayla is either going to be a dog or a whale, <laughs> but she ends up being Jasmine Guy. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, it's the it's the way she says it. It's the and like Carlton says it, it's like, oh, it's mom's speech. Like, oh, she has a good personality. Oh, or she, you know, she's so lovely. And like, it's for for guys, that is like it. It, it feels like. Your mom isn't going to look for someone who's like, you know, who's, hot. who's like a, attractive, right? Or, you know, she's going to look for someone who's like, oh, well, this person's really nice and you'll get along with them. Oh, right? yeah. So that's, says, that's where nice I Nice personality in. means she's protected by Greenpeace. <laughs> which took me a second and then I was like, oh, Will. Which was, which was so weird to me because I'm like, would they expect Aunt Viv to outright say, well, like this girl is hot? Like I, I always wondered about that. I'm like, do teenage boys really think that their mom would refer to a, another woman as like, oh, yeah, she's like. But, yeah, like serving them up to these guys. Yeah. <laughs> But going back to that conversation about like watching TV for hot people, I remember the I was a huge fan of WWF back in the day, and the mm. only reason I watched WCW is because I had a crush on Alex Wright. And I was just like every time uh, during commercials of uh, Raw, I would go over to Nitro and be like, "I wonder if that Alex Wright is on tonight." Just like, I, just, like he is a guy. He is a guy who literally is just like abs who would just yeah. dance. It like it yeah. may have had may have had a stuff bad stuff trucks like I don't know there's a there's a lot going on there so like but I mean I can understand like so that <laughs> I was funny you brought up wrestling I remember so I remember being younger and I'd watch like WWF and my uncles like so they were like I was like oh yeah I'm gonna watch wrestling and my uncles are like 20 30 years older than I am I'm like oh yeah we're gonna watch it with you when Sable comes out and I just <laughs> yeah. like. One, I don't. I was just like whatever. I like, say it was whatever, but I was like, 
It's like, really? Say, well, she's not like a great wrestler. And my uncle was like, well, it's not the wrestling that she has to do. And it's like, and it's like me being a kid, like, okay, I guess. <laughs> like, so I, I mean, I can definitely understand that. Like, I think, like I said, I've watched a lot of Next and I've watched probably a lot of like, I've watched like a lot of like, I, I guess you'd call them like, well, no, I watched a lot of Buffy because I was just yes. like, that person is like really attractive and I have to watch the show. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny though because like um, for the longest time I wasn't into wrestling until like uh, my sister got back into it around 2010, 2011 mm. and she was watching it because she loves John Cena and I, I ended up be- coming back to wrestling because I had a big crush on Wade Barrett who, a shout out, is my friend on Twitter and I talk <gasps> to him a lot. So This is like, I don't, big so news. I don't pre- <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know. Like, I'm becoming one of those, like, gals who's, like, not that I'd ever hit on him or anything because he's a lovely guy, but I'm still, like, yeah, I'm friends with that dude now. <laughs> so it's, like. Hey, and he's back, in, he's back in Orlando now. Yeah. Back working like, at NXT. Yay, I get to see him on TV. <laughs> so, but anyway, back to Jasmine Guy, who I also have a crush on. So, Jasmine Guy, yeah. real quick, just uh, for the people who don't know. She was born in Boston, Massachusetts, to an African-American father and Portuguese-American mother. Uh, She was raised in an affluent historic Collier Heights neighborhood of Atlanta, Georgia, where she attended what was then called the Northside Performing Arts High School. Uh, Her mother, the former Jay Rudolph, was a former high school teacher, and her father, the Reverend William Guy, was a pastor at the historic Friendship Baptist Church of Atlanta, which served as an early home to Spelman College. Mm -hmm. He was also a college instructor in philosophy and religion, and at the age of 17, uh, Jasmine moved to New York City to study dance. So you may know her from her role as uh, Whitley on A Different World. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I only watched the episode about... Yes, you you (laughs) pronounced both Whitley and A Different World. That was also a show that I watched when I was a kid. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But she also, I just found out, like, as we watched this episode, that she played Sawyer in Cats Don't Dance. I was sad to see she didn't do the, uh, oh, crap, my power went out. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, sorry, it's still recording. Okay, good, good, good. good. Okay, the power went out briefly. Is it still recording? It's still recording. Okay. The still going. All right. So I love Cats Don't Dance, but I was sad to see that she didn't, uh, she wasn't the one who did the singing voice. That was mm. uh, Natalie Colwell. Oh, mm. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a great, oh, yeah, as, that's an honor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, I, I've never, I've only seen a few episodes of A Different World, but what I see, I really, really like her. I like, really like Jasmine Guy because she has this. Um, she reminds me of Blanche from Golden Girls in a lot of ways. Like she's cool, but she's deep. If that yeah. makes sense. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I would say because um, one of our incentives for our, our Patreon is like we want to get enough where we do a different world. I really would love to do a different world, only because I think you would love Whitley a lot more, Sonia, especially mm-hmm. like with her parallels to someone like hillary because like you could kind of see like they're like kind of the same character but whitley whitley is just such a strong character and i think so like my biggest controversy with a different world is like i think when lisa bonet leaves i think the show gets a lot better because they get away from trying to make it a cosby show spinoff and make it its own show and jasmine guy and kadeem harrison who plays um who plays um Dwayne wayne um they just have such great chemistry and are such strong, great characters. Um, and it allows Jasmine Guy to like have such a, a great range. So I've already like I've just been through the moon. I've been watching a different world since I was like 
two years old. It was my mom's favorite television show when I was growing up because, like, they were around her same age. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always just – I've been, like, a hugest Jasmine Guy fan. And, like, seeing her on this episode, like, when we were going through and we were talking about, like, all, like, the, the crazy, like, crazy strong uh, guest stars. And, like, to have Whitley – as a guest star, you know, on this show, it's like one is out of nowhere, and two, it's like, well, you couldn't ask for anyone like as strong to come in, especially to be Will's romantic partner and like yeah. the first big Will romantic partner we have in this series. Mm-hmm. Which I'm kind of sad about too, because she's only in one episode, so yeah. I'm just like, and but she was so perfect, and I just well, we'll get to it. But, oh um, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I I fully agree. <laughs> she's so cool but anyway so kayla is originally from harlem and will sees an opportunity to get a, get to know her better as they are both from the hood uh so despite her being in the first year of university making her roughly 18 or so will thinks he has a chance with her because of his hoodage so as everybody is in the same grade in the hood he says so like 19 21 31 everybody's in the same school uh, school class so but kayla very quickly makes it obvious obvious what she thinks of will um the dinner discussion about their favorite shakespearean play is quite bitchy i really love so it I, I just wanted to mention one part of the first because oh, yeah. in the in the opening of the episode mm. um aunt viv kind of talks about the fact that she that she speaks french mm-hmm. and that you know <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. something that will it instantly dismisses until he sees her and the gag at the end of it is that, you know, having dismissed the French, he goes over to her and he says, uh, voulez-vous coucher avec moi? <laughs> now, the thing that I like about this is that <laughs> that's where we cut to credits. Yeah. And right. it reminds me of the scene in The Dark Knight where the Joker's at the party, and then it cuts away after Batman leaves, and you're like, what happened after that? Because <laughs> at that point, all we did, we kind of get like a visual reaction. And I get that, you know, in writing, it's the it's the hook of the episode. We're supposed to just kind of leave it there. And that's kind of give us a taste of what is to come. But mm. I'd just like to know how the rest of that moment played out in canon. Because it's such a wild thing to say to somebody as a word of greeting. And then right. the next scene, you're like, I guess they worked it out. Yeah. Well, well and like, yeah, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say like, and then like, if you know French, and then like her, that character would have been old enough. Like, you know, that's him trying to use that Lady Marmalade song. Oh yeah, absolutely. To to, to slide, it. but like, but it's corny, like, because like you know she had to be like, oh, this dude is like corny as hell, and then he keeps on doing like all the different like pickup yeah. lines. She's just like, oh, this dude is just like the worst which well, is why she gets that pushback she back. reacts later to how he is i think she probably took it as like the automatic way that she knew that he wasn't worth her time yeah or like yeah like so like that's the way i saw it like watching it again just because i oh, like absolutely knowing, yeah so <laughs> she's like, not she just she's not interested. like a dumbass <laughs> so, yeah but it was really funny the scene with the um with the Shakespeare at dinner because I love Phil mentioning that he loves King Lear, which is about a strong father destroyed by his children. Just the way he says it is so funny. Yeah. Like it was so adorable. And I love that Jeffries is Romeo and Juliet, uh, which is about the intellectual superiority of the servant class over the people they serve. A point that haven't really se- really seen been made about that play, but you go, yep. Jeffrey. So, oh, he gets it. Yeah, yeah, I just love that though. It's so cute. Yeah, I also. But, oh, I, go ahead. Yeah, I also like this scene a lot because again, I, I always want to bring it up. Is like James Avery is a Shakespearean trained actor, 
and like this is his time to flex. He's like, oh yeah, I love I love King Lear, which is like all the other. All the other like Shakespeare's plays are ones that everyone always talks about, like Hamlet, Romeo and Juliet, uh, King Henry, yeah, Taming yeah. of the Shrew, uh, uh, King Henry VIII. Like, so these are all ones that everyone always talks about. King Lear isn't one, but if you're a trained, you know, trained actor, you would reference that. And this is his, de- his dead fan of like, yeah, about <laughs> about a family <laughs> trying to ruin their father. It's just like yes. his dead fan <laughs> acting on it is just so great. Oh, this I love it so good. much. Yeah, yeah. The show is uh, stunningly written. Like that's, I think, what I had not appreciate now that my job is writing stuff. <laughs> now to look at that and go like, oh wow, this is so tightly written, and mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's inspiration. Like I'm absolutely gonna watch now every season of it because <laughs> I just I, I just kind of want to study it for what it is. Um, so there is a mention of Intelligent Hoodlum, which I will let TL go off on, because I know he probably knows more about it than I do. I don't. Um, (laughs) well, no, and so, like, yeah, no, well, okay, so, um, Intelligent Hoodlum is a backpack rapper. Um, I think he ends up, he does end up changing his name, uh, to, um, Tragedy Gaddafi. Um, but I, like, I'm... So I'm originally from again. I, I was born in the Netherlands, but I'm, I'm originally from the South. Um, a lot of those like backpack rappers are more like are more like New York, Philadelphia based rappers. And like by the time I got into New York, Philly rap, I would it would have been like in the mid '90s. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of those guys left. Like I I ended up going back into KRS One and back into stuff like Most F or Leaders of the New School. Like a lot of stuff that I became more you know uh, fond of. It was me going backwards. So, like, someone like Tragedy Gaddafi, like, I, I literally have never listened to any of the stuff that he's done. But he did, but he, um, he did, he was, like, the basis of a lot of rap artists that I became fans of, like, Most, De- Most Deep, um, uh, uh, Noriega, uh, Nas. Like, those are a lot of people that he's influenced. Um, so, but it's just yeah. he wasn't the guy that I I did a lot of, um, and he also I think he was uh, one of the people who helped Nas with he helped uh, come up with the phrase Illmatic, so that's mm-hmm. the big thing. And then like uh, people who know who Marley uh, Marley Mall is, like he's one of the guys like he would always he would collaborate with at the beginning. Oh, that's cool here. Yeah, because, like, there is a reference in here I had to look up about Intelligent Hoodlum because, like, I had never heard of him either. So I had to look into that for this episode. So, But I love that Will gets an amazing call-out by Kayla, which even Hillary and Ashley applaud. Like, cause, like as we said, like, I really like Kayla. Like, I, yeah. if, if I knew her in university, I totally would have been trying to be her friend because she says this in such a way that it's not, like, her being a dick. It's her making her real it's her making him realize that he's been an asshole yeah and like and like putting all that hate on him and like being justified in doing so like because it doesn't make her snobby it makes her like know her own worth to not put up with that stuff which i really really like well i mean you guys would know better than i would like you guys have definitely have to been have been around like dudes who think they're wittier than they are oh, and just oh, like constantly. they're super <laughs> try hard. Yeah. <laughs> right. And like, and that's the thing. It's like when you have, when you have, cause it's like not to make it gendered and not to say that it can't happen to like to males as well. But normally when you have this, like this attitude, it, it's more 
of a male, usually it's a younger male, but it can definitely be any age. Oh, I was going to uh, say it's, it's all ages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but do the thing of like, oh, yeah, I'm going to show like I, I have a, I have a witty retort for everything that comes up. Right. And, and I only say that because I know I've done it. Like, it is not something that you want to do. Like, you're not doing it maliciously. It's just like... No, but you're like, I got to be on for this. Like, every, right. I have to I have to show that I can both roll with the punches, improv, and be funny and charming at the same time. So right. it becomes this thing where you're not even... In, you're no longer in an authentic conversation because you're, you're just kind of going like, I got to listen for the next thing so I can figure out what I'm going to joke about. And, you know, we've all been there. Like... I, I've I've been there on the other side of it as well, where you're going like, man, I really want this person to like me, whether that's romantically, socially, professionally, or whatever it is. And you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to hyper-focus on my ability right now <laughs> to show them how funny I can be. Right. <laughs> well, and it's, it is like something you have to do because like um, the one thing that um, it was obvious that a dude wrote it because like um, – the way Kayla acts, like, I know it's, like, it, it's in a safe setting and stuff, but, like, if I were to say something like that to a dude, um, there would be that worry about, like, okay, if I say this outright, what is he gonna do? And so, like, if, mm. if this was, like, in public at, like, a, like, a reading or something, it would be, it's, like, there was a kind of fear in me a little bit about, like, uh, like, girl, like, you can't say that outright, like, you like, I love when, when people get slammed on, but it's the only, the only time you can slam on a dude is when there's a lot of witnesses, if that makes sense. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I think that, but I think that's also what's, like, when it's in the household, like when it's in this household, there is that safe sense of safe space, right? You get that right. sense that like, okay, barbs are not only accepted, but like they are how you communicate yeah. with each other. Like, right. like the, the savagery <laughs> with which Will goes after Carlton by saying that he has more in common with Kayla because they're both attractive human beings of normal height <laughs> is like absolutely the most brutal thing Carlton's going to hear all week. But for him, it's like, no. You just got to keep going. And I think that that's, yeah, the language, the language of the show and, and her ability to do that is based entirely on like, it is a, a roasting ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just mean in terms of like, you've had probably had that similar reaction where a guy just won't, won't take your attitude. Oh, as, no. And as you as have to kind to of. Go, yeah. yeah. And so like, but if you outright tell a guy no, or say like piss off or or somehow make him mad, oh, that yeah. there comes that situation where you're like, okay, how much of this is going to result in me being unsafe? Yes. How much, yeah. How much safety will I lose by speaking up? And that is something that like the amount of fake smiles that I've had for people or the amount of like, yeah, for sure. Like I would love to do that. Or, you know, giving out the fake number or doing whatever it is. And like, mm-hmm. it is, yeah, there absolutely is that, that realness there. I really do like, though, that she does this and it's not like, um, it, it's so like regal. Like, I don't want to use it's, that word, but it is. Like, no, it's, it's so. Because it, it, she's, she's playful and she knows her own power. She's. Yeah. Like, she has, you have the sense that everyone, in fact, I would say everyone in the family and in different ways, you know, has yeah. so much of their own power and their own ability mm-hmm. to like feel completely confident in what they're saying. And oh. I think what I like about it also is that that confidence is both part of like the show's writing but it's also part of the characters themselves. Like it's not just sassy dialogue. Like a lot of the time you get shows where every character is snarky, but you don't feel that it's earned. You feel that it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, the writers want to make a joke here so they have this, you know, precocious kid or this other character be also snide and funny. But you get the sense for whatever reason of from this cast that like, no, they're authentically like this. They are funny people. These roasts are being taken as they are meant to 
as they are meant to be. And everyone feels confident. And yeah, it's, you can deliver it in that regal way because she's mm-hmm. so calm in her own and she's so self-possessed. Mm-hmm. Well, and I like the part where she's like, um, I don't mean to be rude. And then Uncle Phil chimes in with like, no, please do. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So. It's, it kind of just it speaks to the tone of the house. <laughs> so it's really cute. But like Will is obviously infatuated with Kayla, Kayla, but doing that high school boy thing where he pretends to hate her for a minute, which I, yeah. I always hate that. But like it's an obvious way of men reacting in certain ways. Like and so he's making excuses to stick around when he knows she's coming over. Yeah, that's um, great. And so they end up in having this really amazing roast battle with Kayla winning with the final, you're so ugly, that is not a fade on your head, that's your hair running away from your face. (laughs) So I just like, the way she delivered it just like kills me every single time I watch it. It takes you on a journey. Yeah. (laughs) Because you're like, oh, where's this going? Oh, oh. It's a, it's so, a great it's just like it's I'm not sure if it was just ad lib between us two those but it was just like great just dozens going back to back like like the one I heard like I listened to this and I've I've had my fair share of like doing the dozens and we've like done stuff where it's just like man this is like me but the one like your mom was so fat um, they had to like she, like she couldn't they could, she couldn't tell a picture of her feet because she couldn't identify the photo like I was like yo man like that's <laughs> That's like a that's a bridge too far. What? Yeah, like, I, I, in that moment, I was like, "You don't know his situation. <laughs> like, you're, you're walking in a dangerous area right now." Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But uh, they would kiss, but Will just ate a chili dog, which yeah, I really yeah. liked. I was great. like, "What the hell was the point of that scene?" Then? Well, that's <laughs> the, like, that's <laughs> the thing. Like, throughout this episode, they don't kiss. Oh right, yeah. And it's yeah. just like I, when I was looking at, it, I was like. Huh. I wonder if it was just like, I wonder if it was just those two actors are just like, hey, it's something like we're not comfortable with. And like well, I said, this it's is weird though because he kisses her on the neck later on, which always feels like a more intimate thing. It's it is. Yeah. It definitely it definitely is like yeah, it's definitely a lot more. But like, I don't know. It's just like I said, it was always very. It was like it was a very weird thing. Like I was watching, it, I was like, yeah, they don't like actually kiss on the lips at yeah. all in any scene. Well, and it, it doesn't really like. It doesn't really take away from any of their chemistry, I find. Right. Like, because they, they, um, like, they are uh, both people from the East Coast. Like, they, they both have, like, rough um- upbringings. And, like, they do find a lot of common ground, which I really, really like. And But they don't need to have, like, their their interactions are really sweet in the way they they treat each other and stuff like i'll get into it more when we when we get to that part of the episode but like i really like um when you see kayla's dorm room and how similar it is to the glimpses we see of will's bedroom and in, in other episodes like uh we see the posters of nelson mandela malcolm x uh a really cool picture she has of a production of othello and an, att- an intelligent hoodlum poster which will mentioned earlier and kayla actually likes which i thought was a really cool callback like that was one of my favorite little bits of writing that you don't really notice but i imagine it was in the script that like okay kayla's dorm room she has these posters including intelligent hoodlum so i was like that is cool like i was like i just had to pause because i'm like as a writer that made me happy (laughs) and like i said it it, it, to me it's a good thing that it kind of backs up her character because like she would like Again, there's a there's a there's a stereotype, especially being like a smart black person, right? Like, well, if you like hip hop, you'll like these people, 
And like, I think that's a good kind of like a callback. Like, if it was somebody like if this was ten years previous or ten years like in the future, she would be like someone who had like a Jurassic Five poster or yes. something like that. You know, like so. I do, I think I do think it's it's great world building because it doesn't shy away from the fact that she is a black person from Harlem. Like, because, like, these are things that someone who was a very smart black person from Harlem would, you know, decorate their room with. Yeah, which I think is, you know, something that a lot of the time when you have characters written, like, black characters who are, you know, supposed to be intelligent written by white people, there's this thing where, you know, they have to have some kind of, either, like, have no reference to the culture because it's like, oh, no, there's this, like, silent, you know, the writers are are trying to do something like, no, no, but this one's different. And you're like, oh, I can already see that dichotomy forming where you're like, oh, I see exactly what you think of the black community when you're writing this. Right. And it's like, you know, as though you can't contain multitudes, as though you cannot, as, as though it's some sign of like intelligence to like these plays, but not this music, you know? And, right. And you see it still today. And I see, and I see it in pitches. You know, I, I remember seeing someone come back um, from writing a, a character who was like supposed to be like a scholar and he used, like, I can't even remember what the phrase was, but it was some kind of, like, AAV, and, and someone was like, oh, well, he's supposed to be smart. Like, we, he, he shouldn't sound like he's street. And you're like, you have no comprehension of language at all. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's what I appreciate about, like, this character within this space where you're like, yeah, you're living in all these worlds. And, yeah. they, can co- and they coexist, and there's not one thing that eliminates the potential to like another. Right. Which, yeah, which is why I really, like, I may have never, like, I think with this podcast, I've been really examining this show in terms of, like, how it impacted me. And watching the show, like, I was Kayla when I went to university. Like, I was the first person to graduate high school and go on to university when I was 17. And um, there was no path for me in terms of people who look like me going to, to upper, like, to going to university. Like, I remember uh, the only people who went to university from my high school were white people. And, to, like, it re- this really hit me where I lived this episode because especially later when she talks about, like, how everybody is waiting for her to either fail or save the family. Yes. And There's that, so much pressure on her. Yeah. And that, like, I, luckily, like, as I say later, like, well, I wrote my notes for later that um, my parents never put that pressure on me. But I still, mm. I put that pressure on myself. That, like, me being a successful person and not focusing on my writing, but going to law school or becoming a doctor or becoming a professor would bring my my family out of poverty so I could finally repay them for all the hard work that they've done in my past or right the wrongs that they faced as Native mm. people. And I'm like, man, Kayla was me. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, and it, 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 like, it was so powerful to know, like, I wish I had remembered this story when I was, like, going to university because she's dealing exactly with what, with, with what I dealt with then. And and especially that um, where Will confesses that he likes her for how smart she is. And there's that little sad comment she makes about how he's the first per- boy yes. to like that about her. Hmm. That was like, that. that's something that I, that I really connected with. And I was just like, 
the way this episode is written is amazing to me. Just the little bits of... Because, like, I actually thought that um, Kayla was around a little bit longer just because this episode feels like it's so lived in and it's so... Like, a relationship that's taken so long. I really love that about this episode. It, it yeah. does. I, I spent time afterwards, like, looking to see, like, oh, I must be wrong because I think it's only... Like, it's only one episode, but surely I must be mistaken. Like, surely she comes back down the line... Um, we probably should, I don't know if I can jump ahead. Oh yeah, we can jump ahead. Yeah. Okay. But, um, essentially what I think is cool about the episode is so like, it goes on to have the storyline where because of her relationship with Will, she's kind of like able to finally have more fun, you know? And Mm -hmm. as you might expect from someone who is so like buttoned down and, and, and head down studying, you know, she takes kind of a break from that. She uses Will, and I don't mean in a bad way, like, but she uses her relationship with Will to like escape into something else, to, to have fun, to have more lower stakes, you know, on her and enjoy her life. And as a result, you know, she gets a D on a paper on Shakespeare, which mm-hmm. one, I was like, no way, she, she's absolutely gonna, not going to get this D. But like <laughs> when that happens and like you have to face it, like I completely understand every character in this show and that's what i think is remarkable about you know aunt viv's perspective will's perspective and kayla's perspective i see all of them and they're equally valid Mm. i don't you know she deserves to have fun she deserves not to have to carry the weight of responsibility all day every day and only focus on her studies if she has a cool boyfriend who she's interested in she should be able to but you know as a result of of you know indulging in that too much and not having that balance she ends up losing something in her studies. And I I don't begrudge her even when, you know, Will, who's trying to help at that point, like, I really appreciate it because I didn't expect it when Aunt Viv kind of comes to him and says, hey, she needs to focus on her studies. I kind of expected Will's character to be more like, oh, well, I don't care about that. I'm going to do this. But he believes in her. And so he says, okay, I think you need to spend more time alone. And I completely get where he's coming from because he does love her or dislike her very much because of her intelligence, because of what mm-hmm. she does. Right. Viv wants, does see that this couple is good. Like she doesn't have anything against their relationship. She's just like, you need to take time to balance it out. And I absolutely get that Kayla's like, one, I don't like my boyfriend deciding that for me. Right. <clears throat> even though it's ultimately the right thing. Like it's so unusual, I think, for sitcoms and the writing of sitcoms to have characters who you go like, wow, everyone has a valid perspective in this, you know, in this plot line versus one character being used as like the fool. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, I th- oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a great parallel to the third episode with T-Bone. Um, when, um, when, uh, I, I almost called him War Machine. Uh, f- Oh, Ice Tray, yeah. Ice Tray, I'm sorry. Yeah. Wow, I even did the, the Uncle Phil thing. Wow, I just, <laughs> the worst. Um, uh, Don Cheadle, there we go. When yes. Don Cheadle's character came, right? But it's the same, like, the parallels are there. And I think that's why Will, like, the great thing about this show is, like, Will, like, he has a lot of, like, negative traits, but you can always, uh, like, askew that to being, like, hey, he's a teenager and, and boys have to learn how to grow up and, yeah. and be mature. And that's one of the things he has. But he, he's not a malicious person. And then, like, what was really cool about this is everything with Kayla, it mirrors everything that Ice Trey said when he came and visited Will in L.A., where he was like, hey, I remember being there in Philly and having to make sure that you got your books and you studied and you didn't mess this up. 
I don't want to mess it up for you. You can see that it's well like reciprocating yeah. that that thing. Like even if he wasn't, let's say it's just an infatuation, but he knows like, hey, she's in a scenario where she needs that assistance, and like he told on and Viv, if he has if he has to be there for someone, he will. This is his chance to actually be there and do that yeah. exact same thing that Ishray did for him, you know, for somebody else, and not be as selfish. Like what he would consider selfish to hold her into her own thing but then, like you said like it is important that kayla becomes more of like a butterfly because she is very much like i'm just hold up in my room and doing this thing and will allow her to be like okay well i can actually look out and experience the college experience and it is it it, it shouldn't just be on her to carry the weight of her family and their history because that's it's such an unfair uh you know advantage that like unfortunately like i know all of us have felt that just because of how life and circumstances like we just oh, grew sure. up in, right? Like you can't we you can't quantify like I couldn't tell somebody who is white and affluent, like, hey, here's how this experience was for me, because like I bombed in college twice, but I, I allowed that I allowed all of that like just the uh, of being like carried on of like having the weight of my shoulders, like being the first kid to go to college like my mom and dad eventually went to college but it was later in life but i was the first kid that went to college and i put all that pressure mm -hmm. on me and i just couldn't take it and it was something and i and i've had conversations with my dad it's just like he was like you shouldn't have had to worry about doing everything because that's not your job your job yeah. is to be the best you and I, he's like he's like you know we bust our butt because we want you to be the best you that's what your job has to be and like and that's kind of what kayla's saying is like yeah i want to do this for my family but at the end of the day i have to be the best me and, yeah. and I can only dictate who the best me is. Yeah. Well, one thing I was wondering about, like when I first, like as a kid, when I was first watching this, I was like, why does Kayla go to 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 Aunt Viv's house? And then I realized that, like, when you see Kayla's dorm room and you see her dorm mate, and you realize that very quickly that maybe Vivian is the only black professor at that school, yeah, or the only black person that Kayla knows at the university. I was gonna say it's it's when the roommate comes in and is like you know the white blonde woman you're like oh this experience is not the same for her she gets to go to that party she right. gets to make this part of a well-rounded college experience because if she does okay she's going to be fine yeah you know she only has to do okay yeah and i think that pressure is so real even if it's even if it doesn't it doesn't have to come from your for your household it comes from everything around you where you you look around and you see like you're the only person of color in this space or you're the only one you know of whatever, yeah, whatever marginalization you are, it's like, I have to do it. And it doesn't, like, I know that for myself, like, my parents were not like, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that. But I was like, when I get there, I do. Yeah. Right. You know, like, I feel like it, you don't have to tell me I do because I just do. That's, it's, that's the weight that I carry anyway. Right. Well, that was how it was like when I was in dorm my first year um, to go from my reserve and be surrounded by so many native people, so many people that look like me to go to a dorm of eight floors where the only other native person is a, a native guy from an even a more isolated community than me. We would team up every so often and became friends just because we could discuss things that our white friends would not get. 
or discuss things about how back home people didn't understand like why we were speaking differently like did we or getting accused of thinking we were better than our community because of us leaving and so it's like that part with the like I don't know if they intentionally meant it but I remember like feeling knowing exactly how Kayla felt when when her roommate came in yes said she was going Mm. to a party I knew exactly how she felt because the rules are different you know the rules feel different and the, you can't understate the value of having, you know, people like yourself to, to hold on to in these situations. Like, it's it's so different. So, I, yeah, it, it makes sense that, like, Aunt Viv would take a special interest in Kayla. And it's funny. I So I work in the games industry and as a writer. And mm-hmm. I've been in this industry for about seven years now. And mm-hmm. this is the first year that I worked with another black person in a writer's room. Mm-hmm. And for him, it was 15 years between. Mm. And for me, like, at a certain amount of time, like, you kind of, until I, until I experienced it, I was, like, so unaware of the value of that, even within the, I mean, I was aware of the, that it would have value, but, like, I even understated it in my own mind. Right. Yeah. You know, because it was huge. Because just having someone to go, like, to gut check with, to look to in a meeting, to, to go, like, Hey, how do you feel about this? Or can you read this? Can I look at this? We have each other's back when it comes to these things is, is so valuable. So I, it's funny because I, I had the exact same thought as you, Sonia, where I was like, oh, I bet Aunt Viv's her only black professor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's such a hard thing too, because like, uh, like luckily I surrounded myself with a lot of native creatives and stuff, but I recently started dating another indigenous person. And I did not realize how much I had been missing out in terms of, or how much I had to explain to a yes, white the partner. Yes, sh- the shorthand yeah. that you get is yeah. so, right. in, is, is so is different. It's so valuable, and it's so like yeah. you don't have to explain why I'm calling my mom twice a day, or why, <laughs> right. uh, yes. like, or like all this other stuff. And like, it just, it's just like I did not realize that was a thing until yeah. I started dating this person, and I'm like, oh my god, like he under uh, they understand in terms yeah. like so right. it's it's. This yeah. episode was really hitting me, so I yeah. Like, one really of my one of my best friends who I who I met in the past couple of years, they're like they're also raised uh, by a Caribbean family, and just so many things that I know about myself about my experience, just talking about it and going, oh yeah yeah yeah, same. Like <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it. Like right. and having these and realizing, oh, a lot of these things that I feel that I believe that I that I and the ways that I behave are absolutely rooted to, you know, a Caribbean upbringing and all that that entails, you know, even if it's something that happened mostly in Montreal, having that family there is like, oh, the tenets of of everything, the way that I I, I see the world is is so much shaped by that. Related to to that, like, I think all of us do have a sense of this episode in terms of connecting with Kayla in that context, even though we aren't from Harlem and even though like our, like our family maybe didn't have kids when they were young. Like I, I like the show connects with me in such a substantial way, even though I'm not black, like I'm a native kid from the res and to be able to connect with this girl who grew up in Harlem is so cool to me. And it's why I'm so thankful again for black media, because this is the only time someone like me is on tv and i know exactly yeah. how she feels and it's just like man we need this show more than yeah. ever now <laughs> so yeah. that's that's what i was saying i was like we have to get this out because every every person's viewpoint is entirely valid and shaped and speaks to just the amount of work that everyone has to do to be successful in this world like mm-hmm. the world absolutely regardless of the amount of wealth that the banks have like 
you never feel that this world is fair to them. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and that which is absolutely what it is. It doesn't matter how much you succeed in this area, you are still this kind of person to the broader world. And I really I especially relate I got a little misty when because I, I have felt this in my own life when Aunt Viv was saying that like Will believes in you. I believe in you. We both know you deserve it, but you don't know that you deserve it. Right. That and I think, yeah. yeah, it was incredible because so many times in my life, like I have found myself working too hard to prove something to somebody, you know, working too hard to show that, no, I can be, a, I can be good. I can do this. I can earn this. I have to and seeing rooms where I'm not welcome, but knowing that if I create a space, maybe I can invite more people like myself into that room. Right. And always working so hard to say like please let me have this i want to earn it i want to get it and not knowing that like as hard as i work to earn it i already deserve it yeah, yeah. and what? it's oh, go ahead. yeah i'm sorry yeah no it's 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 definitely because it's when you come in it's so hard just like being in the industry because like like because we all worked in entertainment and um and kim you worked in the games industry and i've worked from it from the press side and I remember not being in press rooms. Um, like I, 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 I honestly, I can tell you the first year I met another black press member in a writing room, and that was in 2014, having worked in four years, which is ridiculous. Because like we've always been there, right? And that's the thing. Like yep. it, it's it's so much because, like I said, you don't know how do you you push that. You know how do you how do you put forward in that space? How do you you know to push that? And like. One of the things that I just like you said, you at some point you have to stop, like like you said, like you you have to realize like you deserve more because the people who are the people who look like you will see that you're doing it and you do more. And I like yeah. um, one of the things that was really like really this year, even before the COVID stuff happened. I think, um, and I don't think they'll mind me telling this. Um, I was doing video game apocalypse. Um, they they reached me like, hey, you know, it's February. You want to come on? And I said, I'll do it. But you have to have a black you have to have a black creator every day, every every show this month. And and the reason why I did that it was like I can't keep being this person. There's more people out there. One yes. and and it would it's to me the the onus now of me is like I don't like do I ever think I'll get famous or big in the games industry or big in the podcast industry I don't know I don't care right like that's God not my goal do. yeah, yeah but, like, God will yes yeah. yes would There's I like to just money, do podcasts yeah. yeah but 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 I think the bigger thing to me is I want to I want to make something where that person that I see that's ready to take that next step I can pull them forward right yeah. like and that's that's the thing that. Like every time I get a, a small bit of shine, it's like, okay, this person I know is really dope. You may not know that person. I want to put them on because I think that's the that that's the spotlight, and that's where Aunt Viv came from, right? She's like, yeah. I did everything. I broke my back. I got this fellowship for this college, and I am I am now like a, I am not am I an English professor. I am a a traveling English professor professor. I can I can establish more for you out in the world. So I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, help with that establishment. And I think like that's like that's kind of the the mindset I have, especially now being older. It's like, yeah, if I get into this space, I'm taking people with me because there are so yes. many people 
of color. There's so many people who are LGBT, uh, LGBTQIA who like who are not getting, or you know, people who are disabled who are not getting like the spots that they should. And there's just so many talented people. And like, and again, it's especially because of the the worlds we live in, which is parallel to the show. Like, it's so insular and white. Like, so you feel that oh, of yeah. like, I want to get out there and I want to show more and I want to bring more and I have to bring you guys with me. Yeah, it's um, it's a hard thing because I I don't know if it's the same with you as black folk, but like as a person of color, it is. There's always this idea that you have to be smaller, you have to take up less space because you oh, yeah. you you become a target the more space you have and the more um the more visible you make yourself. And there was a long time when I first started filmmaking that I would be like, people would be complimenting me on how many films I made, and I'd be like, oh well, I just made three. And then people would yep. be like, Sonia, a white guy, if a white guy did that, he'd be like, I made three films. He would be constantly <laughs> talking about it because yeah. for him, that's a huge achievement. And for you, it's like, well, this is what I had to do. Right. Yeah. Like, this is what I, I did. And I, I do the same thing with myself. Like, I, I have my own company. I work on tons of things. And part of my company was founded on the principle of bringing more people into this industry, of diversifying the industry. <laughs> but to talk about it is so hard for me because I'm like... I don't, yeah, I don't see it as something that I chose to do. I see it as something that you're like, is my responsibility as yeah. a person, which I think, I think is something that, you know, we call it responsibility and, you know, a white guy might call it vision. Right. Yeah, that's the, that's the big thing right now because, like, people think that we're doing it because, like, oh, yeah, you guys are so amazing or something. But I'm like, no, there was a gap. And yeah. I saw nobody filling that gap. So I was like, well, damn it, I might as well fill that gap. And yeah. <laughs> it, it's something that I see myself in Vivian, too. Like, I see myself in Kayla and I see myself in Vivian that it's so hard to burn that path, to create that path to success as a person of color, as a black woman, as a woman in general. That when you finally made that path and, like, paved the road for it you want to make sure people use that road because like it, it comes up later too where will says that he doesn't want to use uncle phil's prestige to make things easier for him because he needs to be a man and phil yeah. tells him like don't be stupid like I, people open doors for me and i want to open doors for you yeah and oh, that's yeah. something yeah is yeah. really amazing yeah I, I know like when we get to the episode i'm going to talk about that's literally a conversation my dad had with me it's literally my dad was like Yo, I have a busted back. I pulled all these rucks. I like I busted my butt in the military. So you didn't have to make your own way. Like there is no such thing as yes. make your own way. Like it's... and that was that was such a hard thing for me to own. My father passed away recently, no. mm-hmm. um, early like last month. And one of the things that we had talked about before he passed was just like, you know, you have this realization. I had this desire to be like, I have to pay you back. I have to do this. I have to excel so that you can have like. And he, you know, explained to me. He's like, no, no, no. I did this so that you could do these things. Right. Like, and the joy that I get from it, the the reward for my work isn't going to be whatever you get me with that. It's going <laughs> to be seeing you flourish and seeing you do the things that I tried to build for you. Seeing you stand on the foundations that I built for you and succeeding in your own right. And that is, you know, the way that I honor him both in death and in life, you know? And mm. But it's that realization that you have that you're like, you don't have to slum it. If someone was able to give you this, your only responsibility is to is to take it, to do your best with it, and to pass it on 
to other people who don't have that opportunity to be the, the foundation for someone else. Mm. Hopefully we don't get hate mail for me saying it, but the idea of having to suffer is a white person thing. We've already, we've yeah. already suffered yeah. enough. And so yes. if I am able to like, cause like a lot of my opportunities and job offers come from friends knowing that like, I don't want to say like, I get my stuff from my friends, but I do because I, I'm, they know me, they know what I work on. They know what I write and they know how important to me diversity is. And yep. so they keep me in mind. And I'm like, if you if you go into these spaces with the idea of friendship and seeing a, a common ally in the space, it's such a big thing because like as long as you're not a dick, like you oh, can yeah. move up in terms of like making sure that you make that path for other people. Because if you which get is, to the door, yeah. Which is something that I think a lot of the time it's hard to explain to people who aren't in our position mm -hmm. because they see everything is kind of inherently competitive. And sometimes that does go in. I remember listening to Nicole Byer's podcast and she was talking about how like for her as a fat black woman, when she would go in for parts, she would be like, I have to be the one to get that. Right. There's no room there's, because there's only one spot for me. And it is that feeling that you get. And then as you become more successful and you start to realize you're like, oh, you know, she had the realization that she can share this. There's space for everybody. And the more people are involved, the more roles will open up for people like her. And that was like something that I heard. And I was like, man, that's absolutely true in, in all of our industries where you go, I have, to, you try at the beginning when you're young and you're not kind of naive. You're like, I got to be the one. And then, you know, you get older and you're like, no, it has to be all of us. Well, we have to get there together. Yeah, exactly. Well, sorry to interrupt about it. It reminds me of that line from The Last Jedi. Like, um, well, like uh, nobody throw hate at me for liking The Last Jedi. But, like, there's that line that Yoda tells Luke about, like, because Luke thinks he's failed Rey because he couldn't teach her to become a Jedi. But Yoda tells him, like, we are what they, we are what they go on to surpass. Like, right. yeah. the truth. That's the, the point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the point is not for me to be the only one. It's for me to make sure that the next person who comes after me has it easier so they can go further. Yeah. Like, it's like being Captain Marvel. It's like further, uh, higher and faster. Like, I want to make yep. sure that it's easier for the next person so that the, the girl, the native girl that I was growing up on a res, the next girl who looks to me sees me and decides to go with it. And like, yes. I make it easier for her. It's such a toxic ideal to go like, I struggled, therefore you should too. Oh, you know, and that's what Aunt Viv is saying. It's like, no, I did this so that you could be here and I want to help you now. Because basically we could just, uh, like, I hope this is the episode that wins us a Webby Award. I don't know if they have them for, <laughs> I don't know if they have them for podcast episodes, but yeah. The like, casties, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, but like this, yeah. I mean, like what, what, like what you guys have been saying, I think is important. It's the reason why we did this show. Right. Like the reason why I want to do this show, like specifically with Sonya was one, I wanted to make sure I got somebody who I knew would like one be completely down for doing that. Two would be like a person of color because like I was not going to do this with three white dudes. But 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 more <laughs> importantly, I thought it was very important to like to to look at and chronicle, you know, black culture like shows like this and stuff like that because they don't get the same rewatch podcasts like they mm -hmm. don't they don't get nope. these they don't get these and then when they do get them they're not like like they'll do a show like the wire but that's prestige television right like and it's the thing that is the thing that i i i push back when it comes to like um again i'm sorry white people but this is gonna be like well how white people chronicle black you know <laughs> black culture because it's always black pain 
right? Yes, like, it's, it, it's it, consistently that. It, and it's the most frustrating thing to me because, yeah, there's times that I'm sad and I'm angry and I'm pissed off at what, like, goes on. But there's days that I'm happy and there's days that I, I joke around. There's days that I'm, like, I'm corny and I want to do, like, I want to do something goofy. And, like, I, there's a talk because they, they had the whole thing where, like, people were talking about, like, oh, there should have been a black friends. And it's like, well, living single. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, but the reason yeah. why living yeah. single isn't like as revered because it's, 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 it's as good a show as Friends as Friends ever was. But no one's chronicling, uh, not different world, but chronicling living single. Like no one's chronicling that. And like, I think that's the, one of the things is like, I wanted to do a show like this because I, I, I was like, I don't want these things to go away. So that somebody who is like maybe born in like 20... You know, twenty uh, like in two thousand five or tw- or twenty ten, like come back and listen to this podcast. Like, oh, I need to go back and check. You know, this thing. I, I heard them talking about that. Let me go see what this thing is. And I think that's also kind of important as well. Yep. Well, it's such a, like an important thing too, just because like um, the, like I like the resurgence that Golden Girls is having right now because like people are seeing it for how amazing it was and how ahead of its time it was. And I hope that happens with this show because it is still relevant in a lot of ways. Like, but and like the the idea of what you said, Tiel, about black pain is a similar thing that happens in Canadian film with Indigenous people. Um, but I remember ha- w- watching Do the Right Thing when I was in a film history class and how all the white people reacted when radio was killed by the cops. Like, I was the only person who was like. Oh yeah, like that's what happens when you f- yeah when you that's the situation of being a black person and the cops because the cops are like okay this black the scary black guy is doing this so like we have to take him out and all the white people were like well why did they why did he do that he wasn't doing anything and I'm like you guys are dumb that's like yeah <laughs> yeah no that that innocence is is wild to, yeah. to not have to think about things to not have to see this happen to people who look you like love, you look, like, or, look yeah, like people that you like, love or whatever it is and like i think yeah that is it's so strange sometimes and i i think about this a lot in like games as like immersive experiences because we put people you know through these things and 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 say okay well if you play a black character you may you'll encounter racism in this game right and they talk about it, they're like yeah like we're, we're not going to pull any punches like you're really going to get this experience and it's like well hold on who is this for because right. what you're saying by creating this experience is that it's for people who don't experience it already, mm-hmm. you know? And so what you're saying is you're creating, like, a simulation of racism for a for a black person, but... That, sorry, for a, you're creating a simulation of racism for a white person, and they're going to go, like, oh, now I get it. But for a black person, you've just created a piece of media where they can't escape anymore. Yeah. They are no yeah. longer escaping anything. And it's the same way where, like, you know, you can play as a woman, but everyone's going to call you a bitch. And it's like... They say, well, it makes it more realistic. And it's like, who is this for? David is this Cage. for Is this for the dominant gr- group of men Right. to go like, yeah, they call me a bitch all the time. Because I, now I see what it's like to be a woman. Whereas I pick this up and I'm like, one, I already know that this is what a lot of men think of me or say about me. And two, it doesn't even ring true because it's not written often by a woman. By yeah. a woman. Yeah. So it, it ends up just being these, these hollow experiences that we create. And so you get a bunch of people who go like... You know, they watch something like that and they go like, oh, my God, how terrible. But they're not taking the actual message away. Right. That this is an ongoing and systemic issue. Right. Yeah, no, it's... because it's something that, like, always pissed me off with um, with The Handmaid's Tale. 
Like, cause like, mm. um, I like how people were like, oh yeah, like, um, the sterilization of women is terrible and like forcing women to, uh, have babies is horrible. And like, the, like, or how people oh, my were, God. were saying that COVID or like the Black Lives Matter protests and COVID were just like, uh, Handmaid's Tale. And I'm like, watch another TV show. Cause this is the one experience yeah. for a lot of us. Like, <laughs> And that's another example of just like, imagine this, imagine if it happened to white people is yeah. often like the premise right. of, of dystopian shows is imagine if the things that are currently happening to marginalized groups happened to non-marginalized groups like they have a show that's i don't even know what happened to it. i saw a trailer for it on twitter called knots and crosses where it was like imagine if white people and, and black people switched places and europe was colonized by black people they would be just as right ra- and you're like whoa 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 <laughs> the amount of leaps you've had to make to I guess retroactively justify you know European cruelty and colonialism right. by essentially hand waving and going like well you know wrong place wrong time anyone <laughs> would have done it if we had been in the same position and the assumption that like there's inherent that cruelty is inherent to humanity and that colonialism is inherent to humanity just because white people have historically done it is such a such a terrible ideal to promote to go like you know well. You know, anybody with that much power would have done the same thing. It removes, like, so much cultural backing and so much, like, the, the world of difference, the different ways that other cultures assemble their societies in kinder and softer ways. Which isn't to say, like, oh, you know, white people are inherently cruel. And this is, I'm just saying that, like, the history of, you know, capitalism, of colonialism, of all these things is not necessarily the way things were always going to go. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, culturally, too, like, um, like I remember we spoke about it in the past. I'm not sure on this podcast or not, but mm. the idea of um, the reason why equity and equality scare white people or a lot of the bad white people is because they think that the way they treat women, black people, people of color, the way they treat them is how we're going to treat them when right. we yeah. when we yes. get power and i'm 100%. like that is not the case <laughs> and it's just like yeah. it's just so scary in terms of like you think every, like the cruelty you treat me with you think that's how everybody is yes you really think that that's just like the natural state it's it's that discussion of lord of the flies where you're like well if you remove all these you know all, all the trappings of society everyone will just become and they're like no that's not how that's not how we grew a civilization right and we're actively taking it apart by assuming that cruelty is the only way right. mm-hmm, exactly. well like i said it's 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 inbred cruelty that like you don't look at your history like because you can look at the history of the world and you can see like there have been there have been like there have been swaths of like of hundreds of years where there were no colonialization or where there no like there was no like ethno ethno slave state and like throughout the world it always happens like the, these things happen at first but when you say oh well this the inverse happens like I, I know like they were talking like the the Game of Thrones guys were gonna do the the Confederate States of United oh, of God, America yeah. show <laughs> uh, which was gonna like what if the black people came here and, and had slaves and it's just like. You can't do that show, or like the, if the who is this for? Like, yeah. like, right. Who is this for? But the, like, except racists. <laughs> like you said, it's for the racists to go like, well, you see, if you guys were in charge, this is what you would do. Yeah, and it, it's like you were talking about earlier, like you know, who do you write these things for? Like I said, it's it's David Cage and like the Beyond games or yep. like all those games. Like those, that's the reason why those games don't do anything for me. It's the reason why like a lot of that media, like I don't need to watch. You don't need to have, like, Android and be like, 
imagine if racism <laughs> happened to these and you're like no no racism is <laughs> happening constantly yeah. that's why yeah that's why i hated detroit become human because i'm like okay so you can only understand racism when it's in the body of this cute white twinkie guy like yeah you, you can only understand it when he is a like a like because the guy who plays uh i can't remember the name of the character connor is mm-hmm. a really cute guy in real life i saw him at new york comic-con he's beautiful but like the fact that people can't understand racism until it's in the guise of a blue-eyed blonde oh yeah because then you go like oh but if this happened that would be terrible and you're like it is happening it is terrible right you should try to care about it now but yeah and i mean the other thing is to set that game in detroit which is like a historically black city (laughs) yeah i was just like to the 82 percent, i believe at a certain point and i'm like okay so that's what you're gonna do yeah like that's how you're gonna to treat this it's all right we're just going to frame it all as if as if the 1960s never happened (laughs) it's it's all good don't worry about it androids though man they can't catch a break but i do like in this episode like vivian revealing her past like that was one of the the parts that hit me because like it it goes back to that idea of like you don't know people's background like um she kayla tells and viv like you belong here and i don't and uh, and Vivian like reveals something she didn't even reveal to her nephew that she dropped out of school. She had to clean hotel rooms to become a professor. Like she she had to clean hotel rooms to get a high school de- uh, a high school diploma, mm-hmm. and then probably had to do the same thing to get her university degree. And so and she's a professor, which means she has a PhD. And so it's just all this with like how many kids three. And yeah. so, you understand fully the magnitude of the work that she had to do. Yeah, and with a husband who, like, uh, was born in Yamacra, North Carolina. And, like, they both had to work hard to get where they are. And it's just like, of course, like, of course, Kayla, like, even if, um, even if Carlton, as an affluent black person, still has to deal with this, with this stuff, too. Like, even though he has the money, even though he has the influential father. And it was like you were saying earlier, Kim, like, this is not something they can turn off. Like, yeah, even it's, though, it's inescapable. Yeah, they have the money, but that doesn't cover the fact that they're black. Right. Yep. And so, yeah, like, I know there's, like, f- funny bits of this episode, but, like, focusing on this stuff is why... It is such an impactful episode because it's such a lived experience in like twenty minutes. Like it yeah, felt- it's wild how how expedient it is. Yeah. And oh. Although it does end on a really good punchline, which is Will taking this moment to ask, "How come she never cleaned my room?" Yeah, it's it's very good to like add a little bit of levity. Yeah. But yeah, it's such a nice it's such a nice moment at the end to kind of come to that and to see her for a moment and it. And it, you don't get the sense that she's necessarily ashamed of it, but that she didn't want to have to say it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She's not, it's not a problem. It's more that, like, look, you don't get it. She doesn't want to have to make it about that. She wants to be able to be that person who can be a hero to this to this woman, but has to say, like, no, I'm relatable also. Like, you, I've been there, and I understand you, and I have the empathy, and I'm not just coming at you with, hey, work harder to be like me. Mm-hmm. You right. know, because I think that's the other thing, especially about... Um, Viv's whole character, actually, is that, you know, she can come in and she teaches a very strong lesson, but she always grounds it in so much empathy. She's not, like, by any means a stereotypical, like, sitcom mom who's like, oh, I have a problem with what you're doing. It's always like, look, 
I do have a problem with what you're doing, but I'm going to explain to you. I'm going to give you the, the respect of explaining why right. and explaining where I'm trying to come from. And she's been wrong and she is wrong in some episodes, but there's always that, that sense of communication and explaining like we all come from different places. Here's me. Right. And it didn't have like the – like I said, this was Family Matters. It had been like a sad song coming on. It's like <laughs> – <laughs> Yes. Well, Kayla – I know you think you're doing right, but this is what I like. You're yeah. right, Vit. Like that, that would have been that would have been. Yeah, like I guess I should, and then it would have been like, "Bye, Will. That's <laughs> enough. Like you're out." But even you know, to kind of wrap up the episode, like I understand that, that the character doesn't come back, but they do leave it on. You know, later, baby. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's 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 it doesn't have to end. Like again, I know because it's a sitcom, it ends the relationship, and so right. she's a guest star. But in the universe of the show, you don't get a sense that like this supportive relationship has to be destroyed in order to make room for it. Right. You do get a yeah. sense that like I just need the, I need to take a minute right now to step back and do this, but I'll see you later. Right. And well, it's it's beautiful in that way. Well, and I like it too because um, in a lot of sitcoms, relationships don't add anything to the characters. In yeah. this situation, like, Will matures right. in yep. the span of 20 minutes to go from, like, this boneheaded, horny kid to this person who, if not loves, understands this girl enough to know that, like... If he loves her, he'll do what's best for her, and he does. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. it's like it's such a maturity, and I love that. Like, cause he he really does care about this girl, and you can see that in the way he treats her, and the way he respects her for being smart. And like, yeah, she's beautiful, but she's also like really intelligent and really strong, and dealing with all this stuff. And like, he's I think you can see like he can see himself in her, but that they they get on because of their their shared background. But it's like, no, he loves her for who she is. Mm. And yep. that, like, is so amazing to me because, like, how often do black sitcoms uh, focus on the idea of this girl being beautiful because she's smart or this girl being more beautiful because she's so intelligent and strong? Well, like, I think that's what's so cool is that you get the sense that, and this is rare in all sitcoms, is that they like each other. Yes. And that these two people care about and have empathy for each other right. and actually want the other to succeed. And even at the end when, like, he kind of, you know, jokingly goes for that kiss and she pushes him out of the room, she's not angry. She's like, she's laughing with him. She's like, right. this is ridiculous and I ca- and I like you and I'll see you later. And it's like, it's such a real and, and kind moment. It's just really, yeah, this episode's great. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I wanted to give a special shout out to uh, Kayla's clothing choices this episode. Like, yes. particularly that orange, like, tribal Aztec design backpack she had. Like, or that cool hat she was wearing during the roast battle. Or, like, that cool top she's wearing in the last scene. Like she's Every, dressed, All the fashions are incredible. Yeah, yes. she's dressed so amazingly. <laughs> I just love her style. Like, it was so cool. I still yeah. want that backpack, though. Like. I want everything that Will has has worn in the episode as well. (laughs) Like we say every episode, everything Will has worn this season has just been tremendous. Like that's the only word for it. It's just been all good. (laughs) <laughs> and it doesn't sit, like even in the first episode when he's wearing that lime green stuff that is still pretty cool like i still oh, really yeah. like it I'm, and it's just like yeah yeah it's amazing i think i told somebody because uh they were they were circulating photos from like jordan from the last dance and like some people from the bubble were, like wearing this like wearing his fit i'm like i'm gonna break out one of those fits for like packs like the next packs <laughs> i go to i'm like one of those will fits i'm coming to packs with one of those will fits and i'm just gonna be like <laughs> yep Yo, this is it. It's just, it's it's hot. Yeah, it you is. and me both. I'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, but yeah, like I think that's pretty. Like I had other notes about like funnier things, like Jeffrey's sordid personal life. But I'm like, no, yeah, Jeffrey's little B plot that yeah. he has to line. <laughs> <laughs> it's where he's like uh, being a perv on the phone to some women. But like, I think the focus of this episode truly had to be about Kayla and Enviv, because like I yeah. think yeah. it's like even without that Jeffrey stuff, like it was still like such an amazing episode. Like it's I I'm surprised it didn't win an Emmy or anything because it was like perfect writing and like yes. Yeah, just amazing like i'm glad that like like this episode made me feel like um like i'm a better person for having watched it if that makes sense yeah it's great. but no, it's yeah great. it's just like yeah it's so good i just love it <laughs> All right. but any final thoughts in regards to uh what we just watched i guess yeah. no I, like i said i think it's i think it's a really strong episode again i love watching jasmine guy on stuff so absolutely yep. i was 100 here for it um uh and like i said it's just I, I keep to me it, it will never not be fascinating like this is Will's first acting gig ever and he just has such natural charisma and I don't know how yeah. do you coach that and like and so this year like I said you've been working on projects um, we we started doing um, test runs here in Jacksonville uh, for one of the projects and uh, one of my buddy's sister was like acting for the first time. And that's like the first time I've actually seen it. Like when you just see somebody and they're reading these lines and they're, they're acting, you're just like, wait, where is this? Like, where are you pulling this from? And like, Will yeah. has what that, is this? right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, where, where is all this talent? But like, it, but Will has that in spades. So it, it makes sense to me, like how he becomes like the world's most famous Hollywood actor. It's just yeah. like, he just has such a natural charisma at such a young age with such raw talent is just so mm-hmm. good and like i said a great episode um uh um uh aunt viv did such a great job i keep forgetting her name is it janet janet hubert janet hubert okay i want to make sure i was right um <laughs> janet hubert is so good and i'm very upset she leaves the show because every scene yeah. she's in i think she she owns every scene she's just so much fun uh, well, and I think she's the only person who could could be that mother figure to somebody like Jasmine Guy, if that makes sense. Like yep. they 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 felt like a daughter and mother type thing. Like I, I could see them, like you could see that chemistry between them. Like I guess because Jasmine Guy is just a great actress too. But like it was so cool. Like there was no um, pretension in their relationship. There was like a mentorship, which I really enjoyed, and like there was no pity. Which I really mm. love too. So it's like yeah. it's such a cool thing. All right. Uh, well, that is this episode. Uh, Kim, what would you like to promote? We want to uh, give you the platform to uh, promote whatever you would like. Uh, I think I'll, I'd like to promote opportunities for marginalized developers, especially in the narrative field. Um, we try to train, place pay, hire, work with, collaborate with uh, marginalized developers as much as we can. Um, and if, you know, if, if anyone who's listening to this is like, oh, I kind of want to learn about games writing, please get in touch. Uh, we're at Sweet Baby Inc. Um, on Twitter, at Sweet Baby Inc. on Instagram. If you have any questions or if you want to get into the industry or you need like a portfolio review, the email address is talk at Sweet Baby Inc., which is where we do a lot of our outreach stuff and our educational programs. So please, <laughs> I'm interested to hear from people. Absolutely, I like I said, I, that's it's that is definitely a passion of mine. Um, I'm really I, I'm really thankful 
to for you to like to have that platform and for you guys to do that because it's so important to me um I, I want to have more I want to have people who are like me making stuff like that's like like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. The, that's, <laughs> that's the that's exactly it that's so. the that's the selfish thing because like you said like you like you both said like there's stuff that we talk about stuff and it's just like if you deal with white people you don't know like I've been I've been I'm going to keep saying this I've been craving chitlins for such a long time <laughs> because like my mom doesn't make it like it would always be my family in Alabama but like I can't go to a podcast with like four white people like man I want chitlins what are chitlins can you explain to me that what <laughs> I have well, what? like yeah. <laughs> um, but so I, I do think it's I think it's very important that we do have people in our space to kind of um, yeah, you know, to like, to be like us and have us, you know, represented. So I, I really yeah, do and part that. of it's benevolent, but there's a part of it where it's selfish, where it's like, yeah, I want to work with, I want to work with a, a diverse group <laughs> exactly. of people, I want to work with people right. like me, and like I hope in five years that like I have hired someone to to work on a project, and in five years I see them like you know as a creative director or as a narrative director. Like I'd love to see that because. That's what I'm doing it for, and right. selfishly, I want to see the games that they make. You know, it's not—it's not necessarily benevolent. I just want to—I want to get my hands on these games. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Sonia, do you have anything you would like to promote? Um, nothing really. Check out my PayPal. I maxed out my credit cards again, so we need your help. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, but um, yeah, like I am still at Twitter, uh, Honey underscore Child. Uh, just talking about like in, in further indigenous like representation as always, and just trying to like be positive in the time of COVID right now. Because I think if normal life is five percent stress at all times, COVID adds an additional forty to fifty percent. So like, stay happy <laughs> yep. out there, people. That's all I say for you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Travis L Foster. Uh, I don't have anything to promote right now, uh, other than like this show and then my video game podcast stuff over at PNB. Uh, but I I do want to say so as it's recording, I celebrated my birthday uh, this weekend, and my happy birthday. Thank you, uh, my <laughs> buddy. What they did, they didn't tell me. They rented out a movie theater, um, like the we there's a local movie theater that I love called the Sunray. And one day I will show a film in the Sunray, and then I will really cry and break down. Um, but they rented my favorite movie which is The Last Dragon, to show Aww. in the movie theater. And then I ended up, I got a Blu-ray of The Last Dragon. But what was great was, it was also, it was me and three white people who have never seen The white the Last Dragon. So <laughs> I have the joy of watching a film I love, and also watching three white people, well, one's seen it. One's seen it a number of times, and he's a fan of it as well. But the other two, like, like wait a minute, wait, what? what's going on? And it's just like, yes, and this is why this is cool. And it's, uh, I, I love The Last Dragon. One of these days, I want to do like a bonus episode where I just talk about The Last Dragon for like an hour because I love that movie so much. But um, it was a really yeah. great birthday thing. So I want to I want to thank Ryan, Sharon, and Todd. So thank you for celebrating my birthday with me and letting me do something really cool. So that's it. That's what I wanted to promote. Um, but, yeah, this has been uh, Live from the Pool House. Uh, Kim, you have been tremendous on here. We definitely would love to have you on uh, anytime you would like to come back on. I'll happily return. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this has been really great. Uh, so for Kim, for Sonia, I am T.L. Foster. This has been Live from the Pool House. Don't get thrown out like jazz. <laughs>